This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 182 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show. Horsey homes and hoof pick lights. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Equestrian Collections offers the whole universe of shopping at your fingertips. Shop online at equestriancollections.com. Plus, Kentucky Performance Products. Simple solutions, scientifically proven. On the web at kppusa.com. Welcome to the Stable School, with weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn the Geek, live from the Stable, it's every week. We'll bring you the news through hell, hot water, while using their tails as their own fly swatters. Sit on down and laugh till your poop calls. It's time again for Stable Scoop. Stable Scoop. Stable Scoop. Stable Scoop. This is Helena B., and I am joined with a very special guest this morning. Who do we have with me today? It's Coach Jan. How do I get to be a special guest? Oh, you're always special. (laughs) You're always special. And for those of you listening, this is the Stable Scoop Radio Show brought to you by the Horse Radio Network. Oh, I love it when you come and join me on Stable Scoop. (laughs) I wanted to just say, we have the perfect pair of sponsors on this show. Because we have Equestrian Collections for the indecisive part of me because they have like 1,500 different saddle pads to choose from and I can surf and surf and surf and surf and surf and surf and surf. And And then we have KPP who makes the highly complicated and way too many choices on the market uh, subject of supplements simple. This is what the science says works. This is what we make because the science says it works. Here you go. That appe- you, so it's all in one. That's all it's we all need. It's awesome. <laughs> we just need a place to shop and something to appeal to the inner geek in us. Yes. <laughs> and, and, of course, to take care of our horses. Really, that's all we need. Maybe somebody who can cook for us. Maybe a food sponsor or something. Oh, yeah. Let's we did have that. perky jerky. You know, they never stepped up. I was disappointed. I know. I know. Well, it's funny because whenever we go to the store, Grace will point at a package of some kind of beef jerky and she'll go, look, mom, perky jerky or turkey jerky. I said, no, Grace, that's not the right kind. Mm-hmm. And she gets so deflated. <laughs> she loved that, that uh, perky jerky. Perky jerky. Well, we'll t- we're just going to let perky jerky go. It's their loss, and we'll find somebody else. You know, if it takes a Slim Jim, it takes a Slim Jim. If there are any other food sponsors out there and you love listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show, send me an email at helena at horseradionetwork.com. We'll talk. We'll talk. We'll talk. One of my favorite foods is trail mix, so. You're one of your favorite foods? I thought it was donuts. Well, current. (laughs) Nice try. (laughs) Well, you know how you have... The favorite food that's the favorite food all the time. And then you have the trendy food. Well, what's your favorite food all the time? My favorite food all the time is donuts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but my favorite trendy food right now, about a month ago, my favorite trendy food was oatmeal. Okay. And right now my favorite trendy food is trail mix. What kind of trail mix? I like the kind that has dried fruit in it. Yeah, me too. Do you like the, the banana chips and the coconut? Uh, banana chips. I really, Oh, the... Um, the dried pineapple. <gasps> mm. Yeah, yeah, yummo. Yeah. Because it's, it's low guilt. It is. It's low guilt. It's high energy. And it's really got good, that, all those omega-3s and that good stuff for you. And, yeah. But I eat I, it because it's tasty. Of I'll course you do. Of course you do. If they had donut trail mix, you'd eat that too. <laughs> I, I would. <laughs> so would I. We oh, need I, to combine that. A donut with trail mix in it. Oh, Oh, that would so it would negate itself. Like the benefits of the trail mix would negate the yes. sins of the donut, it could and be so it's a wash. Perfectly balanced breakfast food. It yeah. has sin <clears throat> and substance. Okay, do you see people now why we need a food sponsor? <laughs> this is where we go with food. We need some structure here. Sponsorship does that for us. Yes. 
<laughs> well, so we're gonna. What do we got on the show today? We'll, we'll get back on on track here. What, what's on the show today? We, you get us starting about talking about food. You know, and I thought Glenn was bad. Oh, I'm but worse. I know, I'm well, worse. especially when we're talking about donuts. Okay, what do we have on the show today? Well, you know, um, if the title didn't give it away, we're going to talk about equestrian developments, meaning those communities, those real estate developments that are built around the equestrian lifestyle. Oh, Ooh, right. I Tell like me, we don't all fantasize about that. Yeah. And uh, Jennifer has a, an amazing uh, tack and habit pick. <laughs> Something pick. that I can't. Ha, ha, ha. Oh, ha, ha. See? All right. So <laughs> why you got to get me all screwed up here now? Illuminated hoof pick. It's an illuminated hoof pick. It's lights. It has lights, people. So we're going to talk about the illuminated hoof pick by MJ Equine Tools. Jen is going to introduce, introduce us to that. And uh, we have a really big guest. I tell you, I was shaking in my boots literally while I interviewed this guy. Uh, we are going to hear from Philip Dutton. Yes, that Philip Dutton, Olympic gold medalist, dual citizen, an Australian and an American. He's got a nice accent, too. It's nice to talk to him. Yeah. Um, nice guy, though, and he happens to uh, have his winter training facility, Red Oak Farm, which is down in one of the equestrian developments we're going to be talking about today, Bridal Creek, and that's in Aiken, South Carolina. And the other guest with us today is Brian Carroll, and Brian is chief cook and bottle washer, uh, stall mucker, trail raker, and executive of Derbyshire, North Carolina, which is uh, another equestrian real estate development. And that's in uh, Tryon, North Carolina, just around Tryon, North Carolina. Uh, that's around the Asheville. North Carolina. Pretty there. Yeah, very beautiful. Um, very old English fox hunting style. So we're going to hear from Brian about the nuts and bolts of equestrian developments these days. Mm, cool. I know. You're going to want to move there. Trust me. <laughs> I know. My poor husband, he's like, no more shows. No more shows. Every time you interview somebody new, you want to do that thing. You want to move here. You want to move there. <sighs> All right. So, um, but before we do get on uh, with the rest of the show, I want to take a minute to highlight one of our sponsors, Equestrian Collections. here and I'm with Debbie from Equestrian Collections with the Equestrian Collections product of the week. Debbie, what are we talking about this week? This week I'd like to talk about the MDC Ultimate Syrups. It's finally getting to be spring, although this year it's been spring here in the east most of the winter. Right. But people are thinking about getting back in the saddle and uh, these syrups are really, really wonderful. I use them myself. They have um, turn. They can turn. They have a way where you can turn 90 degrees, 45 degrees, a little uh, thing at the top that you can turn so that you can put your foot at however angle is most comfortable for you. This is not only good for showing. It's excellent for trail riding. If you have knee problems, if you have foot problems, ankle problems, you can ride for hours in these and not feel it. Um, my sister has knee problems, and when she uses these stirrups, she can ride on a four-hour trail and not have a problem. They're also gorgeous for showing. They have uh, springs on the outside with rubber covering them so that you have a very good solid feel to your foot. Well, I totally agree with you, Debbie. Actually, I know some people that use these, and the flexibility of your foot going back and forth, being able to move your move your foot back and forth with the spring-loaded action, and then as, as well as being able to tilt it to the angle you like, makes it so much easier on your knees. And I know a person that has knee problems that uses these for that reason and doesn't have the problem that they used to have with just the rigid stirrups. And you know what else? It's also a safety feature because you can pick up your stirrups um, if you happen to lose one or for whatever reason that you kick off your stirrups while you're out. You can pick them up much easier with these stirrups. That's the MDC Ultimate Stirrup. You can find them at equestriancollections.com. Just go to Equestrian Collections and put in the search box MDC Stirrup and you'll find them at equestriancollections.com. Welcome, Brian. Thank you for joining us on the Stable Sh Scoop Show. Um, you know, I'm really excited about Derbyshire. It is an English equestrian community, uh, so it's essentially a real estate development. Um, wow, it looks gorgeous. What? Tell us about it. Where did it come from? Whose idea was it? And how far along is it in its development? Well, first of all, thank you for having me on the show. And you are... Uh, correct. It is very beautiful, and 
Derbyshire was a, a concept we came up with about five years ago to bring the English country architecture into horse country here in western North Carolina. So we got a group of land planners and engineers and designers and put together what's just over a 300-acre master plan community. Uh, Derbyshire is a gated community and really just meshed it in to this terrific area in which we live, which has a tremendous amount of deeded trail access. Derbyshire directly connects over 165 miles of deeded horse trails. We're a mile down the road from a planned AA event facility called the Green Creek Equestrian Park. We are four miles from Fence, another huge 400-acre equestrian facility, and sandwiched in between two of the largest fox hunting clubs in uh, this part of the country as well. So it was and a, those would be? Those would be the um, Green Creek Hounds and the Tryon Hounds. Oh, right. Okay. Tryon Hounds I know of. So, boy, it's you're not like in the middle of nowhere. You're in the middle of uh, a lot of other horsey people and um, so fox hunters. And what else is that? I mean, is it is it primarily like a hunter-jumper type community? Is it eventers? Is it uh, endurance riders? Or, or is it a little bit of everything? It's a little bit of everything. I, I would say our primary clientele is hunter-jumper or really on the the backside of or, of a, a competitive career. We have the trails are probably our biggest draw. And again, we connect to to the CETA and FEDA, and that's Collinsville Equestrian Trail Association. And then we're uh, connected to the FEDA, which is the Foothills Equestrian Trail Association. Those two systems combine for again over 160 or 170 miles of deeded trail access, and we're the confluence here at our community for both of those trail systems. Um, people move here typically. We have fires from all over. The Northeast is a big spot for us. They want us, they're tired of the weather, tired of the taxes, whatever, cost of living. And North Carolina is a big draw to begin with, and certainly the western North Carolina mountains are, are becoming a bigger draw. And so we, we really cater to a wide range of equestrian enthusiasts. Okay. Now, is your uh, – I'm looking through your website, and I see that you – you offer a lot of amenities. I mean, it's not just, um, I mean, it's, it's a well-rounded equestrian experience. So that you've got English gardens, you've got hiking trails, community centers, lawn sports, activities, um, you know, things of that nature. But let's focus on the equestrian facility. I mean, how nice is it to have your home? You, so the people whose homes are there, they get to, do they automatically get to stable their horses at the barn? Can they build a barn of their own? How does that work? Uh, a little bit of both, and the, if they choose to use the community stable, they can. It's for the private and exclusive use of the Derbyshire our Derbyshire residents, and we also recently brought on some farms, or we call them private stable lots here, which allow for your own to have your own stable and as much acreage as you want um, here, connecting to the community. Derbyshire is centered around a, a beautiful spring-fed 33-acre lake. It's a fully stocked lake. It's, it's, um, and, and just by coincidence, it's centered right in the middle of the community. So these horse farms that we have, in addition to the individual home sites, are all centered around the lake. So you can choose to have a, uh, a maintenance-free home. We, we take care of everything for you in terms of the, the, the lawn and the landscape maintenance, and, or you can choose to uh, go with one of our larger private stable lots that go anywhere from 10 acres to 20-plus acres, have build a private stable, and, and keep everything really more self-contained. So you re- there's flexibility there. You can do as little or as much as you want to do. That, that's exactly right, and that was the whole, the whole point. When we started the development uh, about four and a half years ago, we, the private stable lots weren't an option, but uh, with the economy doing what it has been doing, we, we pivoted and found that a lot of horse folks, even if they're ready to scale back, maybe have less horses, uh, this could be a, possibly a second home, although we're seeing more and more primary homeowners here, which is great. Um, they have the, they've got the flexibility to do either or. Jen, what do you think? 
Are we going? I'm. I'm just. I've already hired my Penske truck. <laughs> yeah. I know you're looking through their website. You're yeah. awfully quiet. Right now, I'm rifling around to find some newspaper to put the the glassware in. I'll be there in about a week. <laughs> well, you know, one of the things that I and I, Jen and I laugh about this every January and February. I literally sit down at my computer and I do nothing but look at real estate from Florida to Virginia. And I go back and forth. I'm like, okay, you know, Asheville area, Aiken, Ocala, where do I want to go? Virginia, Pennsylvania, do where, what is the draw? Like where really, where would I want to be? Now we, you have this, um, you have X amount of lots available for sale. One of the things that I've heard in, in researching equestrian developments is, um, that, there are um it's challenging because you can buy a lot but then it's up to you as the lot owner to clear it and get all the permits and stuff like that um how does derbyshire handle that are the lots That's cleared already uh, i'm sorry uh, are the lots cleared already or or what does the owner have to do primarily the answer is yes and, and initially when we first started the our idea was that the folks would come in, get to choose their perfect lot, and there was a lot of flexibility there with with builders and um, and designs. We had several designs commissioned on our own by arch- by these really wonderful architects. We've since developed another dozen or so designs, uh, any, anywhere from fifteen or sixteen hundred square feet up to as you know four or five thousand square feet. And in different sections of the community, you can choose different size homes. Once you make your decision to be here, you get to pick your lot. And we have mountain views, we have lake views, and we have pasture views. And sometimes the lots will have two or all three of those views. So you decide whether you want a basement or no basement, maybe a half basement. When you make those decisions, we we center in on the lots that fit your criteria. You buy your lot. We work with a, a small amount of, in my opinion, terrific builders that will then you can sit down with all of them and and give them your you can use one of our pre-existing plans that's ready to go you can modify the plan to fit your needs or you can do a complete custom so we really began to collaborate with the builders to get the look that we wanted and maintain the look throughout the community but give the homeowners maximum flexibility once you sit down with your builder the clearing and and everything that goes along with the construction of a home, they take care of all that for you. We, we just oh. started a home Monday, and the cottage is going to be about 2,500 square feet with a full walkout basement, and they broke ground Monday. It'll be five months. They'll have the certificate of occupancy, and our residents will be moving in. We've got these cottages down. They're very high quality, but great designs, open floor plans, very high-end finishes, and we've gotten the price points down, and the construction time down, if you made a decision, call it February 1, this summer you would be moving into your home. Oh, wow. That's a quick turnaround time. It really is. And we have very mild climate here. It doesn't get as warm in the summers as some places further south. And today it's high 50s, low 60s here in the middle of February. It was 70 degrees here on Saturday. So we have, we can, you can build 12 months out of the year. Um, and the, like I said, the construction time, that we have great contractors and, and good skilled labor workers here, and you can get your, get your dream house in under six months. Jennifer? Um, okay, um, I'm, I'm <laughs> surfing. Available home, Marigold Cottage. Looks like Which maybe this one just got finished because I'm a bit of a minimalist, and I'm looking at this 1,520 square feet, two bedrooms, two bathrooms with optional bedroom and full bathroom on the second floor. This one's right up my alley, and it's very Tudor. Um, I want to take that one, please. I do have a question, though. One of the descriptions I read on, on the one home is um, it talks about be using uh, reclaimed stone and brick on some of the um, buildings that have a stone or brick uh, exterior. Tell me a little bit about that. Whenever possible, we tried to minimize the use of what I, the materials that you would expect to see in a in a in a subdivision around any large city in in the, on the east coast. The the famous urban sprawl that that all of us are really tired of seeing. Yes, that's exactly right. Asphalt, lots and lots of asphalt, and 
curbs and gutters that look that are preformed and precast and just set in and everything really looks the really looks the same and no matter how large the community is so we use lots of reclaimed materials we search all the time um, for for instance the Derbyshire gates which I think you can see the picture from our website and the wisteria cottage we got the we have reclaimed brick from a hundred and ten year old textile mill here in North Carolina that's the, our main entrance gates. The brick banding, which you probably can't see, which is in the roundabout coming into the main Derbyshire gates, was reclaimed from an old Jim Beam distillery. <laughs> and oh, the cool. brick that we used to construct the Wisteria Cottage is a 157-year-old uh, brick that we reclaimed from the Dan River Cotton Mill in Danville, Virginia. And so any time we can find reclaimed flooring or big big heart pine timbers or maple flooring, anything that, that has been utilized previously but still can be reconditioned and, and used here. We do it both in the community and we do it in the individual homes. So we have a, an authentic uh, slate roof on one of our homes in the community. We've got, we poured our own curbing to, to look older and, and just not look like what you would see in a typical subdivision. So Anytime we have access to those materials, we try to take advantage of them because it looks more, it just looks, it looks better, quite frankly. <laughs> it does. You know what? I'm a, I'm, I'm a snob when it comes to that and because I've always lived in, in an historic district and while the houses look different, they, I think the consistency or maybe it's continuity in um, that look and feel, it, I don't know if it's because it makes you feel like you're on vacation Um I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just a tidiness or it, it's a cohesiveness that helps you feel settled. At least it does me. Um, it, I, I like it better, but that's, you know, that's my personal opinion. But it also, it's a little bit more sophisticated and it is more handsome. It's more attractive. Um, and so I'm looking through, I'm looking at the, the cottage collection, the Derbyshire Cottage Collection. And um, the price points, I think, are very interesting and Combined with the fact that you're using these reclaimed materials and that you're building and developing with a conscience, um, you've got one, two, three, four, five, six different uh, cottage styles. And, you know, your published rates are starting at $289,000, which is, I think, a really nice price point for a 1,400 to 2,100 square foot house. That's not not bad at all. Um, You've got direct horse trail access. um, Gosh, granite countertops, stainless steel appliances, hardwood floors. So we're talking here, it's affordable, the climate is nice, it's cute looking. Now let's talk about the horse amenities. Let's talk about the... Give me the barn tour. Give me the barn tour. Is the barn built? It's interesting that you asked me that question. The barn, uh, I met with our building inspector this morning. We are starting, the barn site is graded and ready for the foundation to be dug and poured and that will happen if not late this week early we are shooting for early next week so the barn the Derbyshire barn will be up and be finished and ready for our horse residents late spring late spring okay now what about pasture grasses um have we looked into we look like i live there already have you looked into um is there plenty of pasture available uh is it um you know, I mean, obviously, people who live in North Carolina and live in these parts will understand how the grass feeds their horses, what kind of nutrition it provides, and all that. But um, what about bugs? So we've got grass, we've got uh, nice climate. What, what's the bug situation like down there? Um, it's really not bad at all, and I'm and I'm speaking, of course, from my perspective, not from the horse's perspective. But um, we situated the the community stable is on the highest point of a knoll right when you come through our beautiful front entrance gates for cross breezes and maximum airflow. The the bug situation in I have toured I don't know how many dozens and dozens of barns in our immediate area to make sure to figure out the things that we definitely want and definitely don't want in the, in the community stable. The, the, the bugs here I think it's really minimal. Uh, most folks some folks will use a fly mist system. Most do not. We, I live here on, in the community myself and can tell you from living here year, for years that it's, it's really a non-issue. Bugs being a non-issue is a good thing. 
Um, so you've got the plot laid out for the barn. And looking at the floor plan for the barn, it looks like it's going to have 20 or so plus or minus stalls. That's right. We've got, I think the initial design, we've, we've modified that down to about 16. And the reason we did that, the main pasture area is just a little over 20 acres and most all of it an established pasture. It's been here for years and years and years, and we've added to it. It has a good, the pasture has a good base. So in, in, from that size, the front pastures can accommodate about a little smaller than 20 stalls. We can we can add on to it uh, w- with the demand to make it larger. However, in our map, in our overall plan, if you look at the map to the north, I have about 120 acres that we turned into pasture almost four years ago now. And what we have been tinkering with is whether to extend or expand the the main barn or have an annex secondary barn on the northern oh, part okay. of the property. Which I, I vote for annex. Home. How about you, Helena? Oh, totally annex. It's okay. good for quarantines and stuff like that. And, yeah. you know. You got two votes for annex. Yep, annex. And, and that's, that's, the way that we, that's the way that's the way we're thinking. Uh, <laughs> Not that we're telling it. you how to plan your development or anything. <laughs> no, well, you know what? We've, we've been, one of the things with, uh, with the, the real estate market over the last several years is it's given us plenty of time to plan and gather information. And we've been fortunate enough to be able to measure twice or three or four times. Yeah. So we have plenty of pasture to the north, so we may or may not have an expansion to this the barn we're going to start next week, but we have 100-plus acres to the north, which multiple stable sites would also be closer for those folks who end up living to, in the northern part of the community. Well, that would be awesome. You could uh, very, very short commute to the stable, which is always an appeal. Mm-hmm. Sure, and... and each barn will develop its own little personality. It'll be all. It'll be like more community-like. I think that's a really awesome, um, perhaps, you know, one of those happenstance things that didn't start out being planned that way. But personally, when I would look at something like that, I would go, "Oh, well, then there's even two options. I could live on the north side of town where the um, bluebells bloom in the spring, or I could live on the south side of town where the tulips come up." That's that just has even more appeal to me as a horse person potentially looking for a community to live in. Yeah, it's that I think in during this the course of this conversation, the options and the flexibility that you've sort of I don't want to say been forced to, but that you've had the time to incorporate into the master plan, I I think are going to make it more appealing to a broader range of horse enthusiasts because some of us do want our own barn it's nice to be able to share a riding ring or a covered arena but we we do want you know that ultimate control over taking care of our own horses yeah what you're a control nut i am well (laughs) fine don't listen to her brian wait excuse me but who taught me um who was my mentor Thank you Lots of us horse folks are control freaks. Yeah. All right. Well, at least you admit you're one, too. Yes, absolutely. So the, the idea of being able to come to a community where you have a great deal in common in that folks who live here are going to enjoy the out-of-doors, they're going to enjoy nature and horseback riding, whether they participate or simply watch, um, but still have that option. You can enjoy horses and outdoor lifestyles whether you are a control freak and keep them in your backyard or if you are comfortable and want to keep your life simple and keep them at the community stable. And I think that that adds a, a lovely aspect of diversity that successful communities all have. That's true. Yeah. Cause you don't want a whole, you don't want a community full of pro riders or, um, or just all, you know, recreational riders, you know, it's, if you can have you that tiered too, level. Does, does, you don't want it too homogenous. Right, 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 right. Um, all right, so, sorry, Brian, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, you're, that's exactly right. And what, we're, what we believe is that this part of the, of the country and with the topography and the, the amenities that we offered, what it provides folks, when they, when they relocate here from somewhere else, what they typically look for is they say, okay, we're coming from Michigan or Florida or New Jersey, and we have two horses, we need at least 10 acres, and that's the way they begin their search. Well, western North Carolina is no different from any other part of the United States. There are great places to live and great farms to be had, and, and there are other areas that you, you really need to 
to come down here and kick the dirt and see what's all around you before you make your decision. And once they come here and they see what we've created, which is this little self-contained development, which is just it's beautiful and, and in terms of the things you can do, both equestrian and non-equestrian. Uh, in addition, we, we brought in all the, the infrastructures already in, underground, ready to go. And, I mean, we, you know, we're in a rural setting, but we have all underground power. We piped in natural gas to every home site. We have city water and high-speed fiber optic cable to every one of these home sites. Then you have the gated, um, the ga- the gated aspects of the community, which when people ask me, you know, what's that really mean? What I tell folks is that what it does is ensure that you know within a certain range what your neighbor's house is going to look and feel like because we have a great set of covenants and people really like there's a ton of flexibility and it's not like it's so narrow that if you don't like this one type of home you can't uh, live here so if you we sent we started the project we sent our team over to england for two weeks and they came back with just 2800 pictures of cottages and barns and and infrastructure and the way that they've done it in, in the english countryside and those homes don't you know, they're not a hundred years old some of them are a thousand years old so the materials that they used and the lessons that we learned from that initial trip before we started planning and, and actually designing Derbyshire, it's, it's, what we, it's what we believe and what we've continually heard from our, from our buyers and our prospective buyers. They want to move here, but not they want high quality. And, Jennifer, just to your point, most of them have gone away from four or 5,000 square feet to the smaller home or cottage, whatever that size is, but they don't want to sacrifice. They still want the stainless steel. They want the hardwood. They want 10-foot ceilings. They want, they want the, all the reclaimed materials. So what we've tried to do is, is, is meet the demand there uh, and, and have it just a great place to live where you know things are more controlled. Mm. Mm. Well, that helps. That appeals to the control freak and <clears throat> both of us. <laughs> controlled um you know we're going brian where can people find out more information about derbyshire the easiest way is to is to go to our website which is www.derbyshirenc that nc is for north carolina.com and all of our contact information is there like i said i live here in the community and work here at our office the main office right near the front gates sometimes seven days a week, so I'm an easy guy to track down and <laughs> send us an email or give us a call, and we'd be glad to send um, information out. And are there any, uh, what would you, what are some really neat upcoming horsey events that uh, people might be excited about in this, the coming spring? Probably the, the signature event in our area is the Blockhouse Steeplechase. They, that event tends to draw in the neighborhood of 23,000, 25,000 spectators every year, and this year it is April the 21st, I believe, the Saturday afternoon, down at Fence, which is the Foothills Equestrian Nature Center, and we are always proud to be a, a course sponsor, race course sponsor for that event. And if you've never been to the Tryon area or Western North Carolina, that's a great weekend to visit. Great. All right. Well, we will post that website up on StableScoop.com. So if you uh, don't remember it during this podcast, just go to StableScoop.com and we'll provide links and details uh, about Derbyshire. And thank you, Brian, for joining us today. I am more excited now than I was before. Um, You know, whether or not I can drag my husband down there, I don't know. Uh, But that's okay. I can dream, can't I? That's right. Beautiful pictures on this website, folks. You've got to stop by, even if it's just to drool. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so great job, Brian. And uh, hopefully we'll be seeing you in person one of these days real soon. Well, uh, I, I want to move. I'm exasperated. <laughs> it's really cute. Their cottages are super cute. You know what impressed me the most? What? Um, being a hard boot Yankee. And being a minimalist, you know, I, I grew up with sort of shaker tastes, despite the fact that my mom is a Victorian nut. Um, <laughs> maybe that's why you grew up with shaker Maybe tastes. that's it. It was, my, it was my own little version of defiance. You have the option of getting, it, I would, it's far from simple, but she don't have to have a 5,000 square foot mega mansion. No. 
you can get a really beautiful, well-built cottage. Now, cottage is 1,500 square feet, but for two people, a dog and a cat, 1,500 square feet is a very comfortable living space. Oh, it is. Absolutely. Um, And it it has that variety. It's not completely homogenized like so many, for lack of a better term, subdivisions are. Yeah. It's got just enough variety and, and things like that. It's like, oh, it doesn't feel like it got built in three years. No. And, you know, it sounds like, too, that there's a lot of thought put into, you know, materials, layout, design, access to trails. It's not like it's not like some guy just decided he was going to he's not a weekend warrior real estate developer. It sounds like they really know what they're doing. And, you know, that facility that they have their their turnout, they've got 20 acres for turnout for a 16 stall facility. That's lovely, isn't it? That's that's if you want to keep your horse there, or you can keep your horse on your own property, which uh, I know they they range, you know, from one acre to I don't know ten or fourteen or something. Yeah, I think there were ten or fifteen ones for the for the larger ones. Sure, yeah, yeah. So, um, and I have friends who live in Asheville, and they absolutely love it there. You said you've been there, and you love it. It's a beautiful place, and um, it does snow there in the winter sometimes, but it is it is definitely not New England. It's the kind of snow that melts four hours later. And it's just beautiful. Just as long as it kills off a crop of mosquitoes or ticks or something. You know, just enough to keep it real. <laughs> you know, it's been my experience. Um, now, mind you, when we go to the Asheville area, we go to visit. We don't live there. We stay there for, you know, four or five days at a time. Yeah. Um, the bugs are not all that bad because it doesn't have the, a lot of the swamps and low-lying areas. It's very hilly there. Mm. Um, so you don't have that standing swamps and water and stuff that, that really kicks up the insect population and uh, i found the the bug population pretty darn uh, tolerable from the equestrian point of view that's a big deal bugs are a big deal yeah you know they they could be a deal maker or breaker yeah um well speaking of bugs (laughs) Uh guess i had the pleasure of talking with philip dutton this morning and uh he and i had a little discussion about uh his place in aiken south carolina he has uh, his Red Oak Farm is the Philip Dutton Eventing Winter Training Facility. And that is situated nicely inside an equestrian development called Bridal Creek. And one of the things we touched on was the bug situation there. Is it good? Is it bad? What's it like? So let's have a listen to uh, this morning's interview with Philip Dutton. And he's in the Bridal Creek Development in Aiken, South Carolina. Welcome, Philip. Thank you very much for joining me on the Stable Scoop Radio Show today. You're welcome. Very pleased to be here. Now, you're down in Aiken right now. Is that true? That's correct, yeah. My horses have been here for um, a couple of weeks, and I spent a short time in Wellington, uh, but I'm back here now for the rest of the winter spring um, here in Aiken, and excited to be here. Is it warm and sunny there now? (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I think we're having probably a warmest summer that I can remember, a warmest uh, winter that I can remember. Yeah, it's not too. I'm up in New England, so anything south of New Jersey is warm and sunny for for me. Um, but it's been pretty mild up here too. And although I I do fantasize about moving down to Aiken every every January, I start yeah, looking yeah, at real yeah. estate online, and that's actually how I came across Bridal Creek. Uh, you have your winter training facility um, in Aiken in the Bridal Creek Equestrian Development. The name of your farm is it's Red Oak Farm, yeah. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. So how did you come across Bridal Creek, and what's your involvement with it? Well, actually, I was approached by um, you know the, the investors who uh, first came up with a vision to have Bridal Creek. So I've been sort of involved right from the, the starting stages of it. Um, they, they purchased um, 1,000 acres of some of the most beautiful land in Aiken. Um, it has rolling hills, which is pretty unusual in this area, and it has... Uh, these uh, sort of preserved uh, streams that run through it, um, and they had the vision to build a horse community here. Uh, obviously, they've since that's happened, they've been hit with probably one of the worst uh, real estate sort of recessions ever. But um, mm-hmm. they've done a great job. They've uh, sort of developed the first part, the first phase of the development has been done, and um, I think they're reasonably pleased the way that's been selling. But they're whole idea was not to make it uh, to make it as natural as possible so the roads are all winding roads and they've left like when they uh, started to 
prepare the land, the, the trees were not sort of pulled over and burnt. They, they were pulled out by machines, and um, so the, the ground has been left pretty natural. A lot of the trees are all natural trees. They've left plenty of them, and um, you know, there's sort of more natural riding paths than sort of manufactured ones. And Right, um, so they didn't just clear-cut everything, wipe it all out, and build something. Exactly, new. and it, it, hasn't, it hasn't got just square fences and, you know, straight roads. It's sort of... They've, They've worked with the land, and um, they've, they've done a really incredible job to make it keep as natural, you know, the, the Aiken natural beauty as right. possible. How long have you been down there for the winter? How long have you been wintering there? Well, actually, we've, I've been coming to Aiken now for probably 20 years, and mm-hmm. um, we've had our red oak farm, I believe, for uh, four years now. So. Okay, so long enough to be settled. So when you're, you're down there, it's not like, you know, you're, do you have, is, does a house come with your facility? Do you live in the house? Yeah, we bought 30 acres and we have a 17 stall um, barn. Mm-hmm. And um, and then, uh, you know, since we've been here, some other people have bought in and um, Boyd actually rents um, two houses away from us. And uh, Kevin Keane, uh, my veterinarian, he's bought in and so he has a seven stall barn and a vet practice here as well. And, uh, you know, there's lots of... Actually, there's a lot of full-timers here now, too. People have bought in and live the year-round. And um, uh, Jessica Hamp has bought in, a Canadian girl. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, she's American. She rides for Canada, and they built a beautiful barn. Um, and we're also having, a, a, well, it's been a, our third fundraiser for the USCF um, Olympic team this year, and uh, that's going to be held here um, on the property as well this year. So that's a, we've held them in the past, and that's a big local turnout that comes with the you know big marquee and ball and um, big fundraiser with dancing and that kind of stuff. Oh, we all love to get out of our britches and get dressed <laughs> up every now and again, especially Perfect. if it's to, for a good cause. Uh, now, that's yep. coming out, that's in March, right? Yes, that uh, is the, and I think it's the 20th of March. Um, it's a Friday. All right, we'll put we'll actually post a link up to that um, on our website so folks uh, who may be in the area can can uh, buy some tickets. Actually, it's the 16th of March. Sorry. 16th Friday, March, March 16th. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And um, now, so were you involved at all with the design of the community, or was it already planned and they just said, come on down, Philip? Um, it was, it, I certainly had no financial part of it. Um, they sort of certainly asked my advice on <clears throat> some, some areas of it, but it, um, I can't really take any of the credit for it. They, you know, it was their vision, and uh, uh, the Maybaum, Maybaum people now are sort of running the whole show, and uh, um, and we have a, uh, a homeowners group as well, which has some say in it now. Now, so as the development development sells out more, then the homeowners take over, you know, more of the the actual running of how how they want it to be listed, but. Um, you know, in the beginning, you know, I had some input on what they were going to do and um, what I thought, you know, event people would like, um, but uh, not really. A, you know, I wasn't a part of the partnership at all. No, no, but I mean, it's you were able to offer your advice and consult in terms of what would make it a desirable place to for a professional rider to come down and exactly and settle. Okay, which may have a little something to do <laughs> with how nicely uh, it's. It's been received, I think, by the by the horse community in general. Um, yeah, and it, it's it's actually you know certainly it is nice for professional people, but uh, you know even if they just have housing lots as well, you know I think it's uh, sort of it's a fun area for people to be. And Aiken is a great great winter place to be, and um, especially if you have you know any horse connection at all. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> like I said, every January that little fantasy comes around. <laughs> well, what do you do with the kids when you come down? Does your wife come down? Do the kids come down with you in the winter? Yeah, well, we have uh, this one issue problem that we have, which is schooling, and so <laughs> unfortunately, my kids still have to go to school in Pennsylvania. So we every year is a little different, but uh, uh, we try to do some weekends and uh, obviously spring break and. Um, the kids just love it. Obviously, like you talked about, the difference in the, the climate from Pennsylvania to here, and um, you know we have, uh, you know we have the golf cart for Mary, who's the non-horsey one, and so she likes to drive around and play with the dogs, and there's ponds and 
strains and that kind of thing. Um, and uh, obviously, Lily and Olivia are the horse ones, and so there's miles and miles of riding and trails that they can go out and get lost and find their way home. And uh, and there's a little cross-country course and water jump and that kind of thing on the property. So there's plenty of kid-friendly things to do here. Oh, it looks like a dream for kids. I mean, just to go out the back door and get lost, whether it's horsey or hiking or or anything, you know, like that. Um, Now, how do your – this is just sort of a general question – how do your horses make the transition from uh, Pennsylvania to Aiken? Is is it something that they uh, – can you tell that they like it when they get down there, or is there an adjustment period for them? Uh, no, certainly they, you know, they really like it here. And I have to say um, I feel that the Aiken area is a um, very horse-healthy area. Um, we you know, we do have probably not as warm a winter as Florida, but I actually feel that that's healthier for the horses, you know, certainly having not as much heat during the winter, you know, from a bug's point of view, right. you know, uh, insect point of view is is better. And, you know, the horses' coats, uh, you know, it really shows up in their coats at the end of the winter. They don't go as that dull and um, flat-looking color. So, you know, what we usually do is try to get them here, um and you know, give them the first week to, to you know, not not strain them too much, and then get them back into full work after that. But yeah, there's been times when people you know come here and then compete on the weekend as well. I mean, it's a probably 11-hour trip from Pennsylvania, which is not too bad. And because we don't have that real extreme heat um, that you can sometimes get, you know, say in Wellington and Florida, the horses tend to adjust pretty pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Now, in terms of, let's just say, um, for a minute here, you're a regular person. <laughs> you're not Philip Dutton. You're just, you know, Philip Dutton, the homeowner, and maybe the recreational rider. Um, clearly, Aiken, and specifically Bridal Creek, has its benefits for um, the professional rider and trainer. But if you're just an amateur recreational person, and, um, you want to go and hack out, you know, what, what do you think are the number one things at Bridal Creek for that, that kind of person? Well, I think, um, you know, a couple of, well, Aiken in general has a lot going for it because it is a, a horse community and it has been traditionally for a long time. You, first of all, you have a lot of access to everything that you need as far as from a horse's point of view, as in, you know, there's lots of vet, veterinarians, there's lots of horseshoes, the feed supply, the tax supply, you know, the town is sort of steeped in equestrian tradition. So that you, you know, can just go into town and get whatever you need or whatever so that you're not sort of stuck in the middle of nowhere and, you know, comes emergency and you're, you, there's plenty of options there. Where, you're not really out in the middle of nowhere. There's, you've, you're, yeah. set, you're anchored in something. Yeah, you're anchored there and, you know, everybody, you can drive downtown, everybody, you can have a, ask a horse question and somebody will know the answer. So um, <clears throat> that part I feel, you know, very safe when you, you know, especially you come to a new area that um, you want to feel that if something goes wrong that, you know, you're going to be okay. Yeah. Um, and then the other part that is very good in this area, that there is so many events and so many facilities that you're able to trailer to within a, um, literally saying 15 minutes. And, you know, we have events here on a, on a Wednesday there's an event on every weekend all right around the area. Now, even if you don't want to compete, there's, there's something that you could go and watch or you can take your horse to in between on any day and, and, and go to a different cross-country course or a different training facility. Um, you know, there's so many different instructors um, and um, professional horse people in the area. Um, there's, <clears throat> there's also, you know, just set up for training facilities like cross-country courses that you can just go on even if you don't want to jump just ride around and so there's uh there's something that you could do every day there's also a horse show grounds in the area um there's <clears throat> what the town became quite famous for in a horse point of view and was set up when the early settlers first came here is it's called the hitchcock woods and it's uh thousands of acres right in the center of town which have um manicured trails and and maps to send you on all different routes that are sightseeing routes that are, um, and there's people 
without horses in there too, and it's a, a conserved wooded area that is just set up for horses and people to recreation. And uh, so, you know, there's so many things that you can do, and uh, the local community is very uh, horse friendly, and uh, you know, there's lots of organisations and groups that you can be a part of and get to know people, and uh, you know, without doesn't take long to be feel a part of the community. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think I'm going to have to come down and check out a couple of those available lots. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, really, it's a, it's a wonderful, um, I think it's a wonderful idea, the concept of uh, creating a community around something that people are passionate about. Obviously, Aiken makes sense because, you know, hello, everybody's horsey down there. And, um, you know, it sounds like you've, you've settled in quite nicely. And, you know, I mean, to have your veterinarian and Boyd right there and uh, – Basically, your posse all around you when you, you head south. But then again, you know, with your achievements, that's you know, you go someplace and the world follows you. I guess. Well, I mean, yeah, it is good. I mean, I don't. It doesn't need. It's not just the the salt button crowd here either. So it's you know, anybody's welcome, and we all do our own thing. Or you know, we do have community get-togethers as well. So you can have it whatever way you want it. That's nice. So there's a show, social life. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Well, thank you, Philip. I know you're a busy dude, so I'm not going to keep you too much longer. Hopefully, I'll get a chance to see you down in Aiken. If not, I will be rooting for you and all the horses that you've got uh, in training right now. What are your big plans uh, for the spring? Well, it's uh, obviously it's an exciting year. I think uh, you know it doesn't get much better than having the Olympics in London. Mm-hmm. So um, you know everything's going to work back from there. Um, obviously. Uh, now, yeah, will you go right from Aiken to London, or will you go back to Pennsylvania first and then? No, we'll we're, we're be here in Aiken until April, and then we'll move back to Pennsylvania and base ourselves from there uh, then. So, um, yeah. Pennsylvania is a great place to be as well, and obviously with my family being based from there, I sort of try to move back soon as the it's um, appropriate with the weather and that kind of thing. So we'll usually move back about the first week of April and then face ourselves from Pennsylvania then. Yeah, but, well, the, uh, way, yeah. the way this winter's been going, if April will seem like summer in Pennsylvania. <laughs> so, uh, But obviously Kentucky's going to be a big one, and then I've got a horse for some year as well in France. And um, you know, once that's done, then the picture for the Olympics will look a, lot, a little bit clearer on um, where which ones to concentrate on then for London. Like who's going and, and when? and Yeah, and which, which horses look look to be in form. And, uh, you know, so it's going to be an exciting few months. Oh, I'm excited. I'm excited for you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so very much for joining me today, Philip. I really appreciate it. And um, we will post more information about uh, Philip Dutton eventing as well as Bridal Creek on the Stable Scoop website. So uh, check there for links and more details about today's show. Thanks very much, Philip. Thank you very much. Well, that was a really fun and interesting conversation about the uh, two very different equestrian communities, mm-hmm. but two, I think both are really set up for success as far from the equestrian's point of view versus, you know, set up for success to sell lots of pretty houses and 20 years in, there aren't any horses there anymore because it, it's pretty and all, but doesn't really employ uh, appeal to the genuine equestrian. And I think both of these places... Um, have that going for them, which is great. And you know, any any way we can convince folks in America to embrace the equestrian lifestyle, I'm all for it. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, the other thing is it. I think it raises the expectation or maybe raises the standard of real estate developments in general because there is a specific um, set of guidelines in developing these parcels of land. It's not like they're just building houses to build houses and people move in and they all have different interests. And then what you find is those, those interests, they tend to conflict and you know, you've got tensions between neighbors. You've got a development that really has no sense of purpose. But now that it's harder to develop a sense of community when, um, when there really is nothing to, there was was no reason to put that pile of houses there other than the fact that people could move in and live there and, you know, sell a house versus, you know, in when society develops the old fashioned way, so to speak, um, a town begins for a reason. There's a mill there. There's a river there. There's something there. And at least initially there's 
a commonality which allows it to develop its own culture. And well-thought-out communities like this will have that. They will eventually develop a proper culture around them, which is going to really set them up for long-term success. All right. um, Tack and Habit, coming up. Let's see what we've got from uh, Coach Jen today. She's got quite the pick, an illuminated yeah. <laughs> pick. But before we do that, we are going to say thank you to Kentucky Performance Products because Kentucky Performance Products sponsors this segment of the Stable Scoop Show. KPP offers a variety of great supplements, and one of those is Caraform. Caraform is a source of biotin, iodine, and zinc, which are shown to support the maintenance of healthy hooves and hair. These ingredients are combined with lecithin and full-fat soybeans, which provide a source of essential fatty acids, an ingredient that supports a normal, healthy coat of hair, uh, which I don't know about you, but my, my two are shedding theirs like crazy right now. Yeah. So yeast cultures in this are included, and they play a role in the maintenance of normal digestive function. So Caraform is a well-rounded supplement. It gets a little of this and a little of that, and most importantly, it's affordable. So if you want to find out more about this and all of the products that KPP offers, you can visit them online at kppusa.com or give them a call at 1-800-772-1988. That's 1-800-772-1988. There you go. And if you're like me and you already know about Caraform and how wonderful it is and makes Beaker's feet wonderful, just stop by your local feed store and say, hey, get me the Caraform. <laughs> comes in a big bucket orange label give it to me now i might have to add that to my list of things all right we have a tack and habit product this is coach jen's pick what do we got we've got the illuminated hoof pick simple name says exactly what it is it's a hoof pick with a flashlight on it okay okay <laughs> and it it's very well thought out, actually. The, the ladies who designed this, we met them at the Ada show a couple of weeks back, and they were very kind to give me a illuminated hoof pick because I looked at them and I said, really, this is actually going to help? It has a tiny little LED light under the pick so that um, it shines on the part of the foot you're cleaning. And I was a little dubious about, okay, little teeny weeny LED, that's really actually going to help. Um, and I took it home, and I cleaned out some hooves, some in some reasonably well-lit areas. When I went, I really can't see the flashlight. And then I did some of them in the stalls. And the stalls in our barn, like many in, in the country, have one little tiny light bulb in the middle, yeah. which does squat. <laughs> yeah. you, know. you might as well have, like, some fires burning, torches yeah, in the walls. Yeah, you can't even see the poop, much less clean a hoof with, <laughs> with that. Um, so I used it in there, and it really, surprisingly, impressively, helped um typically in the lighting that's in the stall where i was um you can you can see the basic outline of the hoof you're cleaning but that's all you can see (laughs) you know if there's something random floating around in that hoof and you don't hear it go skirsh skirsh against the edge of the hoof pick you'll never know it's there skirsh skirsh yep you know um and i went wow this really does help in that you could see the detail of the bottom of the foot so that if there was a nail that was a little, you know, you get a nail that's partially pulled out, there's a small pebble wedged under the shoe, and unless you brush across it with the hoof or the pick, you'd never know it was there because you can't see it. Um, so I gave it a thumbs up in that that little light does provide significant assistance in seeing what's inside that foot. And besides, it's fun to freak out people when you're in that stall cleaning the hoof pick and they see this little light zipping around. <laughs> the girl who runs the bar and Darcy walked by and said, do you have a flashlight on your hoof pick? Because <laughs> she was like hoping that's what it was. Well, uh, so I guess the choice would be either between a flashlight on your hoof pick or a flashlight on your head. Now, and I have the flashlight on your head version. I have okay. those little headlights that you wear. Of course um, you do. Of course I do. A poorly lit barn. You have to have one. Yeah. Um, the the nice part about this is in the type of lighting that you frequently see inside of barns with one light bulb, and it's maybe a cloudy day or something, I don't really need the headlamp ex- for anything except the hooves. 
you know, I can see well enough to do the other things I need to do. Um, so this is nice because it's just there. It has an on-off switch. has a nice big fat button. So even if you have gloves on, you can turn it on and off easily with your thumb. Um, so it's there for just what I need it for. I don't have to, you know, dig that out because the headlamp doesn't fit in my brush box. It's a special tool. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I liked that part. When I don't need the flashlight, I just don't have to turn it on because it's, it's made like our, the kind of hoof pick everybody uses these days. It's got the pick on one side and a little bristly brush on the other side. Yeah. Um, so it's just my regular everyday hoof pick, and I don't have to use the little light unless I need the little light. Right. Okay, so I like the fact that you don't have to contort your head <laughs> in right. 70 different directions just to get the light where you want it. So that's a good – that that's thumbs up for the – Aluminous part of the pick. Um, what about the battery? Does the can you replace it easily? Like, can you get batteries at the supermarket, or does it have a special battery? It uses AAA batteries. Okay. The batteries are installed when you purchase it. Yeah. It has. Um, I think it's six. Now, here's the only tricky part: the screws that the the pick is made in two halves, and they're screwed together. And the screws are what's the word? Um, what do they call it when the screw head is below the surface of what you screwed it into? Oh, countersunk? Yes, they're countersunk. So they're down inside there. They're not going to get caught on anything. But you have to have that teensy-weensy little screwdriver that you use to repair things with. Okay. Um, so you might have to get a screwdriver. If, you, if you're a person who doesn't have a lot of tools at home, you might have to buy yourself a teensy-weensy screwdriver to go with it. Like one of those computer yeah. screwdriver things. Yeah, okay. That's fine. Yeah, you, you can, can get usually one. buy them in a set for about 15 bucks. Okay. Um, we have them around because there's a multitude of little things that we have to repair around here that require a screwdriver of that size. So we have them anyway. Fair enough. Okay. That's a small investment. So that's quick and easy. Time. And the battery are, lasts a long time because an LED doesn't use much juice. Okay. Um, they had hoof picks there that they turned on at the beginning of the three-day-long show and left them on for three days, 24 hours a day. And they were fine. Okay. So they do last a long time because, again, that was like, really? They're going to let – because, you know, flashlights, they, they die while you're using them. It's just a flashlight thing. So that was pretty good. Now, I've only had mine for about two weeks, and obviously I haven't used the light very much in two weeks because I turn it on, clean the foot, and turn it off. Um, so we'll see how long it lasts for me personally. But because it's an LED, you are going to get good life out of your battery. Okay. Well, I think um, I'm going to have to add this to my, my tack box. Let's talk price. What are we what are we looking at for an investment? Twenty four ninety nine. Mm. Now yeah, twenty four ninety nine is a lot. But this is what sold me on it. Okay. Um, one of my pet peeves with brush style hoof picks, the ones with the little bristly brushes, mm-hmm. is the pick part is made of a very soft metal and they bend. Ugh, I know. I know. I'm constantly bending crazy. it back into place. Yes. Yeah, it makes you crazy. And you can't use it to pry anything open because it bends. So, <laughs> A, it doesn't clean a foot very well. And, B, it doesn't open a can of paint either. No, it doesn't. And, you know, your hoof pick for a dollar or whatever, a dollar and a quarter needs to do everything it possibly yes. can. But they made the pick part out of stainless steel. Okay. It does not bend. Okay. It, Is... if, you, if you bend this thing on your horse's foot, you need to rethink how you clean horse hooves. You can okay. practically pull the shoe off with this sucker. Okay. Um, so that combined with the little bristles, mm-hmm. they start to bend over. I'm pretty aggressive with the little bristly things because I actually scrub Beaker's feet with it. I do too. Mine get all splayed out and everything after like three pickings. Yeah, like an old toothbrush. Yeah. Well, the bristles are replaceable. No. Yes. How does you that get, work? Um, the same screws that you open it up with to replace the batteries. Yeah. The bristles are right there. They just set down in a little slot. You take them out, and you buy, I think it's like three or four sets of in a, little bristles in a set, and you buy a little cardboard thing full of bristles. It's yeah. a couple bucks. So every six months or so when the bristles kick on you, you just replace those. Well, so when I get... added all those together, yeah. I went, okay, this is working for me price-wise. Well, where do you get the bristles? The bristles you buy from MJ Equine. Okay. Anywhere where you buy the hoof pick, you also buy the bristles. Okay. That's great. So you can buy sort of a pack and you're good for like a year. Yeah. Depending on how aggressive you are with the bristly things, um, whether or not your Jack Russell gets a hold of it. I'm wicked aggressive with the bristly things. In fact, I keep a um, brass brush 
I, I keep a separate brush. It's got it's actually got the nylon bristles on one side and then the brass bristles on the other. Mm-hmm. Because my hoof picks never ever stand up to the no. um the yeah. Uh-huh. They, just, they just don't cut it. They get all mushed down like an old toothbrush, and then they're useless. So um, when I combined all those things together, the price point of twenty four ninety nine made sense. If it was just a plain hoof pick with a bendy top and bristles that turn squishy um, for twenty four ninety nine and a light and a light on it, eh, right. not so much. Okay. Um, but this this one has has it's it, yeah it it made more sense and it has a nice big hole at the end. So you know how you hang up your bristly hoof pick? You have to put a piece of string on it because the hole's yes, not big enough. Yes, I saw that. It has a great big hole in the end, so it actually <laughs> hangs over a nail. You know what you should do? I was thinking about this the other day. You know that, those retractable dog leashes yes. or they retractable gadgets all over the place? I think hoof picks should be attached to some kind of retractable wire or cable so that they don't <laughs> walk away. I can see it now. You pick up the foot, you go to clean it. And the horse jostles a little bit, gets his foot wrapped around the retracting device. I know. And you're suddenly attached to your I know. All right, file that under another one of Helena's bad ideas. (laughs) No, that'd make a really good fun home video. Yeah, sure. (laughs) You win 10 grand with that. Yes, I would. I need it to pay my medical bills. Yeah, that's my item of the day. Um, All right. In the end, I think if if you or someone you know appreciates a good quality tool that does the job and does it really, really well. Um, I think this is a good pick. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Very good. And you well, can find them at? You can find them at? MJEquineToolsInc.com. Yeah, and they do even, have lots of retailers out there, so ask for them at your tax shop. They do, yes. Um, uh, we'll post the link to that, that website, and on that website you'll see a list of all the uh, – the stores that carry their mm-hmm. their picks. So it's mjequinetoolsinc.com. Again, don't feel like you have to remember that. We'll post a link at stablescoop.com. That's much easier to remember. Well, thanks, Coach Jen. That is a great pick. <laughs> the puns just never end here at Stable Scoop. Oh, they, they don't. It, no, it never ends. In fact, there'll be more because if you guys all log on next Friday, we'll have some more puns and bad humor and uh, interesting topics. Who knows what that's going to be, but it'll be fun. For details about today's show, go to stablescoop.com. We'll post links to Derbyshire and Red Oak Farm and Bridal Creek and the Illuminated Hoofpick and all of that fun stuff. We do love your feedback, so please follow us on Facebook. We want to hear what you have to say about our shows, about your equestrian development, or your crappy hoofpicks. Many thanks to our sponsors, Equestrian Collections and Kentucky Performance Products. Make sure you visit all the great shows on the Horse Radio Network, and you can find them at horseradionetwork.com. Well, Glenn. Oh, it's Jen. <laughs> Cut. <laughs> well, Jen. <laughs> it sounds the same. That's it for this week. And that's quite enough. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. Bye.